Friends, here we are, one week after Easter. So how's this week been for you? Is the excitement of Easter still in the air or has it begun to fade? You know, I ask these questions because in our text we find the disciples again gathered together exactly one week after Easter. Now, before dealing fully with how we feel, let's begin to understand how these disciples are doing one week after Easter. Our text here from John's Gospel gives us a glimpse back to Easter Day, to the revealing of God's power and God's glory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The disciples are huddled in fear behind a locked door when Jesus appears to them. And when he does, he not only reveals his resurrection, he also breathes out an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon each one of them. Now, for some reason, we're not told why, but Thomas was absent from the other disciples. He did not see Jesus that night. But the other disciples shared this wonderful news with Thomas. They said to him, we have seen the Lord. But what proof do they bring? They bring only their words. Earlier in John's gospel, he described Thomas for us. He's a courageous pessimist and an honest skeptic. So it's not surprising that his response is, I will not believe unless I see the mark of nails in his hand and put my finger in his side. You know, I find this quite interesting. Here we are one week after Easter and Jesus has appeared already to the disciples, minus Thomas and Judas. So why are they still behind closed doors? You know, I think we need to step back for a moment because it's far too easy for us to judge Thomas. You know, I'm convinced it's easy for us to turn him into a straw man and blow him over, especially with the verse in John chapter 20, verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know, I'm sure when Jesus spoke these words, they must have pierced Thomas's heart. Some may just call that the sermon and just go home. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is a very powerful blessing for us today. But you know, I think if we are honest we would see that Thomas is not the loneliest Christian ever. I would venture to say that every one of us at some point has walked side by side with Thomas in doubt. You know, it is in our very nature to doubt what we cannot see. It is interesting to think Jesus never says to Thomas, because you doubted, 
you have sinned. You know, that's really not the issue here. I mean, one of the issues is Thomas just wasn't with the other disciples. Sometimes it's hard to believe because we need other people in our life. I'm here to tell you that there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. You get out by yourself, you get off from the herd, and you're going to be hurting. You're going to find yourself living in doubt. You know, faith's such an interesting thing. In one way, faith is so intensely personal. I mean, it's my faith. It's about what I believe. It's about what I think, what I feel. Nobody can take that away from me, nor should they, because really it is your right as an autonomous person with the gift of free will. But here's the other interesting thing. Even though faith is intensely personal, faith is also intensely corporate. But what I mean by that is that we need other people in our lives if our faith is going to grow, if our faith is going to mature, if our faith is going to be evolve and develop and become something even greater for us. Now, what does that look like? Well, have you ever had a hard time in your life, a struggle? Someone you loved died. Something happened. Maybe you lost health. Maybe, well, it's an emotional difficulty that you're going through. And what does that do? When you when you're have those things happen, you ask that question, does anybody care? Does God care? Is God even there? A am I just praying to the air, or is there something that's going to happen? Have we done that? Have you done that? And isn't it amazing when we're going through that doubt and somebody who loves us, a fellow Christian, somebody from a Sunday school class, a choir member, a friend that you've had forever or a new friend that you've just made, saddles up right alongside of you, puts their arm around you and says, you know, I don't know exactly where God is in all this, but you're not alone. You're loved. You're cared for. Talk to me. Tell me what's going on in your life. My friends, I'm here to tell you that that right there is community and faith. That right there is Jesus Christ with you. That is the body of Christ right there tending to you. My heart breaks for those people who go through all the struggles and the difficulties of life and they have no one who will step alongside of them, who will walk with them, 
will remind them that they're loved. Who may even say, you know what, I don't know if you see God, but I see God right here. Isn't that amazing? I mean, those are so important for us. That's what we need. You know, sometimes we doubt because we put our faith in other people. Well, we've done that. Put it in our kids, we put it in our spouse, we put it in our friends. And you know what? Sometimes people are going to let us down. You know, two brothers were getting ready to boil some eggs to color for Easter. The older one said to the younger one, I'll give you $5 if you let me break three eggs on your head. The younger brother said, really? You promise? And the other brother said, yeah, absolutely, I promise. So with great joy, the older brother broke two eggs over his younger brother's head. Younger brother stood there for a moment with egg just running down his face. And he said, okay, where's the third egg? Is it coming? To which the older brother said, no, it's not coming. If I do that third egg, that's going to cost me $5. Why would I do that? You know, others do have an effect on us and how we trust in God. But you know, we also have a direct effect on how we trust in God. You ever prayed like this? Lord, if you'll do this one thing for me, I'll really believe. I'll never doubt again. Lord, if you'll take care of that. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a problem or I'm going through a difficult time or somebody I love or something's going on or something's happening in the church, I really like to get detailed on what the Lord needs to do to solve this problem. And if the Lord would just listen to me, it would all go away because I know what's best. And then when God doesn't do what I, said, I so specifically pray for, it does what? Well, I guess God doesn't care. Well, we start making all kinds of excuses in our doubts. Lord, you got to do it my way and in my time. But you know what? Again, we are serving and living with a God who loves us and wants to help us. But sometimes we got to let God be God. Sometimes when we say, tell God, hey, I know better than you, what we're really saying to God is, you know what, what I really need right now is just an idol. I don't need a living God. Because this living God stuff is really hard. If you could just be what I want to create you to be, wouldn't that be easier? And so doubt begins to creep in when we don't see things going the way we think they ought to go. But it comes down to this simple thing, can we trust? In the most difficult times in our life, through the scariest times, can we truly trust? There's a story that's told, and it's during World War II and the German bombing 
of London. And a father and son found themselves out in the street one evening trying to make it into the subway system to sit out the bombing. And as they went along, a bomb hit not too far in front of them. And so the father thought, well, the safest place right now for us to get out of the shelling is to get into the crater that was left. And so he jumped in. And he called out to his boy, come on, son, jump to me. And the little boy said, but dad, I can't see you. And the father said, but son, you can hear my voice. You know I'm here. You know I love you. And you know if you'll jump, jump into the darkness, I'm going to catch you. I will not let you fall. And the little boy jumped. My friends, I hope you understand that we have a father who will catch us every time we jump. We have a God that can be trusted. Maybe not to do exactly what we think ought to be done because we have a God who has the wisdom to be able to see how everything can work out for good for those who serve and love God and will work all things out in its time. But it means we have to develop our faith. We have to grow. I mean, we can take assurance in, loving, in a loving God. Perhaps you're like Thomas and you struggle to believe, wishing you could receive that firsthand revelation. Fortunately for Thomas and for us, you know, this is not where the text ends today. Thomas is not left in his doubt. The scripture turns to a message of amazing grace. Jesus appears again in the room with all the disciples, and this time he directly addresses Thomas. Jesus knew that that last week must have been difficult for Thomas, the one left out, the one who spent the entire week wrestling with his doubt. Jesus doesn't lecture him. Jesus doesn't chastise him or discipline him for doubting. What does Jesus do? Jesus offers peace and mercy. Jesus gives Thomas that which he needs. If he's going to grow beyond his doubt, he needed assurance. And now a marvelous event is about to happen. It's interesting. Throughout the entire book of John, Jesus is always referred to as Lord of his disciples. To Mary Magdalene, to all of his followers, they call Jesus Lord. But now Thomas adds to it. And what does he say? My Lord and my God. My friends, this is huge because it is at this moment 
that Thomas gets it. It's like the light bulb goes off. And you know what's interesting? It's because of Thomas's doubting that he had this experience of transformation, of understanding better who Jesus Christ is. It's not just my Lord. It is now my Lord and my God. And that is powerful. Like Thomas, there are times that our faith is going to be challenged. It's just going to happen, y'all. It's who we are as human beings. It's part of our nature. I mean, we can go back to the Old Testament if you want to. This will help you out, right? And Jacob. Jacob had been running from God for a long time. And he could no longer run. He had to confront God. Matter of fact, he was going to have to confront his brother. But before he could confront his brother, which he thought, you know, my brother, he's got good cause to want me dead. But before he could wrestle with his brother, who did he wrestle with? All night long. He wrestled with God. So I'm here to tell you, if you come to me and you say, you know, Pastor, I never wrestle with my faith. Now, you're going to say that, and I promise you'll say it with great hubris, that your pride actually has you blinded to the fact that your faith isn't where it's supposed to be. But if you come to me and say, you know, Pastor, in all honesty, I do doubt. I do wonder sometimes. It's not always easy. I wrestle. And I struggle. And you know what I see in that? I see a person who has a living, dynamic faith. A faith that is growing. A faith that is becoming. Now, I am told that this is true. That if you go into a workout room and you lift weights... That one of the things you're doing while you're lifting those weights is you're actually breaking down the muscle. Why? Well, you break it down so what? It can heal back, and when it heals back, it's what? It is even stronger. If faith is a muscle, doubt is the thing that makes it stronger. Because the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is unbelief. And so I encourage you to wrestle and to doubt. Because it means you're living into your faith. It means you're truly being human. It means that you're allowing God to be God. And you're trying to figure out where God is in your life. And that is a good thing and a healthy thing. And you're going to find growth taking place in your own life. Spiritual growth. Faithful growth. Because here's the thing that we can take away from our text today. Like Thomas, I promise you. Your faith is going to be challenged. There are times that you will doubt. 
But the good news is this. God will never just leave you in your doubt. God will meet you where you are. So, a week after Easter, where do you sit? Do you sit with Thomas as one doubting and seeking? Do you sit with the other disciples and you're still excited by the week before? Or perhaps you just sit by yourself, neither excited or doubting. Wherever you are, if you're open, if you're honest, if you're looking, the risen Christ will come to you. And when Jesus does come, I pray that you'll be able to respond just like Thomas did. Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.